0: Welcome to Talk Dizzy to Me, the show that brings you a comprehensive look into the complex field of dizziness. Now here are your hosts, vestibular physical therapist, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tate.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Talk Dizzy to Me. I'm Dr. Danielle. Tate and as always joined by Dr. Abby Ross. This week we are doing a little interlude between our interviews uh, for the podcast with um, some tips and tricks on how to market yourself as a vestibular therapist as well as your vestibular program at your clinic. So we're going to take two different approaches. Um, I'll cover a little bit more from the clinical aspect uh, of having a a in-clinic program and Abby will talk about marketing from a telehealth aspect. Um, Abby, what would you say is some of the biggest challenges you face right now um, with marketing just in this pandemic and all the difficulties that we're we're having with getting into offices?
0: Well, from a telehealth standpoint, it's actually a positive thing, right? Because people are actually seeking out telehealth services so that they don't need to leave their home. And on the flip side of that, perhaps where you got some pushback pre-pandemic, how can someone treat me virtually? People are more open to being seen virtually because they want to avoid contact. So, and a lot of people have already had some type of virtual appointment before me, whether it's to get a medication refill or with their check in with their primary care, whatever it may be. Most people are now familiar, at least, that this technology exists and it's possible to see a clinician in your home. So, it's actually been a good thing for telehealth in terms of marketing.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, when the pandemic hit, one of the first things that became difficult for us was actually getting into doctors' offices to talk to them about our programs and what kind of training we had and you know what we had going on or even just a touch base because nobody wanted you in their office unless you had an appointment. They wanted to limit the amount of exposure. But I think you're right. Having that telehealth option now really kind of puts you above um, and beyond and allows for patients to have more access. There are people who are actually just looking for telehealth appointments rather than coming into to a clinic and being in person. Um, so I think that you were definitely ahead of the curve on that when it came to setting up Balancing Act Rehab um which has been great which has been absolutely amazing and I think you're right too it has opened everybody's eyes to using the technology and now having a lot of practice with it people are feeling a little bit more comfortable so I think that's a really good thing
0: yeah yeah for sure and and you know your clientele varies whether it's teenagers to older adults people are now more and more familiar with technology to be able to use it, but you do make a good point that actually physically going into physician offices to talk to them about your services and try to build that rapport and referral base with them. That has been more difficult. Of course, I have had successful zoom meetings with physician offices, but to actually go into an office, most physician offices I find are limiting outside entrance, unless you're a patient, of course.
1: And are you also working on appealing directly to the audience? So like we have our podcasts and we hope that we reach people that are suffering from symptoms and that know that they can kind of tap into us if they're within the areas that we can treat. But are you also reaching out to people just kind of locally through community boards or um, directly to people in order to let them know about the telehealth services that we provide?
0: You know, in terms of local community boards and whatnot? Yeah, I have my cards and flyers hanging up on some bulletins, but do people actually see it? I have no idea. I think the better option and uh, what what allows you to reach a greater scope of people is social media. Mm -hmm. Everyone seems to be using social media in some way, shape or form, whether it's for social interaction now, entertainment, people are, are on their phones more, it seems. And I think we have almost daily someone reaches out via DMs on Instagram or on Facebook or calls and says, I saw your Instagram. Now, they're not always Mm -hmm. clients that we're able to see because they call from or email even from all over the world. But social media is really powerful. And if you're not using social media at this point and you're trying to grow your practice, I highly suggest getting on board with that. Put out any content. I mean, people are hungry for content when it comes to at least vestibular disorders and dysfunction and symptoms and all the things that encompass vestibular. But I'm sure also in other physical therapy clinics or what what other physical therapy clinics provide, people would also be hungry for that. There are accounts on Instagram that have 100,000 plus followers and they give exercises and some of them are more clinician based, but a lot of them are beneficial for clients or future patients as well. Yeah, we see a lot of that on Facebook um, from a professional standpoint,
1: like some of these groups, like the dizziness enthusiast group, um, the PT to PT referral groups. Um, there's just a lot of people that kind of throw something out there, and it's amazing to see uh, the response that people get if you're well known within the group or within the area. That if someone's looking for vestibular, they're ready to throw you like your way if you're in mm-hmm. that general vicinity. So if you're a professional or a clinician looking to get the word out, make sure you're looking into those um, groups on Facebook, on social media, putting content out there that's useful um, for people to kind of latch on to and, and kind of uh, reach out from just a patient perspective and clinician perspective. But yeah, social media is huge nowadays, especially Instagram. Do you find that Instagram seems to be reaching more people than Facebook these days?
0: I do. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Instagram seems to be the way to go. The same post that I have on Facebook, on Instagram, it could get, you know, triple, quadruple, even more than that, sometimes the number of views or or even likes or interactions. So yeah, for sure, Instagram, I think. But you can the beauty of technology is you can cross-post simultaneously, right? So it allows yeah. you to post on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, all at the same time. And you can even schedule posts as well. Although I don't necessarily do that. My posts are usually last minute. I'm not the type that has five (laughs) posts lined up, ready to go. But um, yeah, I mean, it makes it pretty simple. Well, it's hard. We work full-time jobs as it is.
1: So uh, marketing from a social media perspective is a full-time job in itself. And Mm -hmm. you and I have had a ton of discussions of ways that we can be more organized about this and get things out and life just takes over. Um, so if you have your own clinic out there, you're putting together your your own um, program, definitely take the time to try to plan posts or plan material because it will take up a ton of time um, and then to try to manage it all because then you'll have people reaching out through the social media platforms to try to talk to you and ask you questions about the content you're posting and it becomes overwhelming so you'll notice like through balancing act and, and you do much better than I do, by the way, with the vestibular <laughs> today, you know, my content is not as often but we usually try to keep good quality just because we don't post often.
0: Vestibular today does post some awesome stuff. So it is a (laughs) challenge though, managing, you know, when you think about larger clinics, they have a person that's filling that position, just administrative and marketing type of a role. So to add that on to patient care, documentation, faxing, phone calls, all the things that encompass your role as a physical therapist or vestibular therapist. I mean, that's, it's, it's an extra step. My, my routine usually is if I'm going to post, I will start my day a little bit earlier and prepare for that. And then I'll usually post around the same time when I do post, just because that's what I'm doing at that moment. It's not a planned necessarily time. It's just, I have to do it before my day gets in full swing. Otherwise it's yeah. not happening. <laughs> yeah. And
1: there's a bunch of um, good blogs out there that will tell you when are the most optimal times of posts and how to optimize um, viewer, you know, um, interaction and things like that. And it is helpful to look at the insights on all these different platforms that will tell you who's looking at what and when. But it, like I said, it's a full-time job. Even this yeah. podcast, you know, we're lucky that we don't uh, uh, scrutinize and edit every single second of this <laughs> thing that we can just kind of put it together as, as is and, and send it out. Otherwise, we would never get this out in a, in a timely fashion.
0: Not Um, in a weekly fashion, for sure. No No way possible. I will say, though, I'm excited that our
1: podcast is doing so well as far as getting more guests on. I feel like our content is really ramping up and and coming together better. We're getting a lot of great response. So thank you to all you guys listening out there, which is uh, you're helping us um, land some more amazing guests. So keep listening so we can keep getting uh, great people on here.
0: Yeah. And a podcast is a great, another great example of marketing, right? I mean, we do this completely on a volunteer basis. We don't get paid to do this, but the information that we put out when people find it helpful, they end up reaching out or they end up sharing it. So podcast posting on social media, those are two great ways. I think though, the most powerful marketing source referral base that you'll ever get is when one client refers you to their friend or their family member that to me is one of the more meaningful ways for one and it's it then becomes like a snowball everyone eventually knows someone that has had vertigo and they think oh I had this great therapist two years ago with balancing act rehab blah 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 Mm -hmm. and then the, the the new client calls you and said my friend's friend so <laughs> told me that you were great and said, you might be able to help me, I'm having vertigo. That to me warms my heart. And that's the way I would love to continue to run my practice yeah. from a word of mouth type of referral base.
1: Word of mouth is huge. I will say this is uh, both a great thing that I utilize pre-pandemic and now post-pandemic more on a virtual approach is doing community presentations. Um, i used to go around to a lot of senior centers and i would give a balanced dizziness and falls talk where we talk about falling and general conditions like bb and we would do um like a modified cat test in the front of the room to show people you know all the different systems that contribute to balance and then we go over some you know um, simple tests like you know a chair sit to stand test and a four-step balance test but um usually from those presentations, if you had 20 people in the room, at least you, you would turn over at least two or three into patients. Mm-hmm. And then that would branch out more and more. But it's a great way to get your face out in the community, put your name in people's minds right away in case they do have something that happens like dizziness or a friend has dizziness and they go, oh, I saw this this girl and she said this and you need to go talk to her. Um, it puts your face out there. It gives people information so that they can go to their doctor and say, I want to try this. Um, but also it shows your community and your potential patients, how competent you are. You right. can get up there and you can tell people that you know what you're doing. You've got so much more confidence of getting somebody in the door. So I used to do in-person presentations. Now, sometimes we'll just do Zoom presentations. And I've been asked to join different senior centers or um, groups like Memory Matters uh, over on Hilton Head Island, where we Zoom in. We've got a, a classroom full of anywhere between 20 to 40 people, because now people can log on wherever and you can give them helpful information, keep them safe, but also make sure your your name is sticking in the back of their mind. I've had patients come in a year after I gave a talk and said, I saw you two years ago at this place and this popped up and I knew I should come see you. You you leave an impression. So leaving an impression, whether it's on social media, whether it's these communities, get your face out there and make sure people know about you because there's a good chance they've never heard about anything vestibular to begin with.
0: Now let me ask you, Danny. In the community presentations, are you often reaching out to those centers and uh, offering to present, or are they seeking out you and asking you if you'd present to their their residents? I guess. Yeah. So
1: actually, a little bit of both. I first started off with this idea up in Falls Church, Virginia, and I called around every senior center I could and begged them to come in and do a presentation. And then it became really popular, and I was I was willing to be flexible. So I told these I told a lot of these um, centers, okay, if there's some topic that you want covered, let me know. I'll create a program for you. You know, we're a physical therapists; we treat everything head to toe. You know, we can be a little bit of an expert in everything um, in that sense to be able to educate our community. So you know, we started with the balance, dizziness, and falls. And sometimes I do some low back pain or arthritis talks, but. All of a sudden, word would get out, and I'd get a call from another senior center. Say, "Hey, so and so that over at this place said that you did this great thing, and it was amazing." And I was wondering if you'd come and do that, especially because mm-hmm. they have these themed months. Like um, September tends to be Fall Awareness Month, so if you can if you can get on somebody's docket that month, oh, they're they're great to have you in because it meets their their theme for the month, and they want to have you in there. Um, so it started off me begging people to go in and then it turned out to getting these regular rotations. I'd go in twice a year and I'd I'd see some familiar faces and some new faces and the more comfortable I got, I already had these programs ready to go. So when I moved to South Carolina, I was like, boom, we're ready to go. Here's what we're going to do. And I did, I did the first one in our clinic and then we branched out to memory matters and then the pandemic kind of hit. So that kind of put a damper on things, but then we went to zoom, you know, you can, it's a easy, it's an easy thing that once you put the work in it's going to pay off over and over and over again. And you're sure. going to start to get recognized for that.
0: And look at that again, word of mouth, right? Big time. Oh, big time. And
1: it's cool. So usually I do a thing, you know, um, there's a study that says, you know, about one in 10 people in an urban type setting or dwelling has undiagnosed BBB. B- B- so I'll count around the room and say, Oh, there's 20 of you here. I will guarantee you at least two of you here have had vertigo or crystals. And I'll say, if you have raise your hand, or if you think you have raise your hand and of course almost dead on every single time, we meet that <laughs> statistic, and then usually we've got somebody that Moses up to the to the front of the room, you know, one or two people, and say, "I think I have this. Do you accept insurances, or what? I need a referral from my doctor." And uh, it's really cool to see because I have I have not failed at that once. Almost every single time. That's I happened.
0: love that starting little uh, story or approach. That's mm-hmm. awesome because it it does get their wheels turning, right? When when you look around and you see that your counterpart or friend has experienced what you're telling them about. That's good. Absolutely. And yeah. I mean, absolutely. Even a higher number experienced some sort of imbalance. So you're reaching, you're definitely touching the hearts of many of your audience if you're at an older adult community center or um, oh, what are they called? Uh, so, so, yeah. So
1: there there is some there is some distinction. I will say when I first when I started calling around to these senior centers, I thought I was going to go into a very elderly population. Not the case. Um, a lot of these senior centers, you have a very vivacious, active, healthy crowd. You're not walking into people that can't do anything. Um, when I was in Falls Church, there was a senior center where there was a group of like eight women that would come in directly after their pickleball tournaments those mornings, I love and then they that. would. Oh my gosh. These women probably were better shape than I were, <laughs> and um, you know they attended everything like that, and they wanted to do all the stuff that you gave them, and wanted the exercises so much so they asked for a foam rolling class. I had people in their no. 70s foam rolling on the ground. Age is just a number, okay? It is. So you know, targeting some of these centers are important, but then also know your audience. If you go to somewhere like an assisted living, now you're looking at a patient population that is likely to be at an increased risk for fall, but at a decreased activity level. So Engage your crowd. Be prepared to think on your feet and change things up a little bit. Um, but getting into places like that or organizations like that, like Memory Matters is an organization. Um, I, I think it's I'm pretty sure it's much bigger than just Hilton Head. They've got a chapter on Hilton Head that works with families and caregivers for people who are suffering from, um, you know, memory dysfunction like Alzheimer's or um, progressive diseases. So they constantly do these uh, these programs. And, you know, it was interesting because we had a lot of people attending who You know, might not, if they attended alone pull pulled away so much from it, but their caregivers took a lot from it and were able to then uh, be a better caregiver for their loved one. So know your audience, be able to to think on your toes, but getting that information out there is so huge to people. It means a lot to them, more than you actually think. Um, And then you start to hear the stories rolling. I saw you and we changed this and it was so much better from there on out. Or we knew
0: to come see you as soon as something like this
1: happened. You know, just getting those going is
0: good. Yeah, sometimes it's something so simple, like... Take longer steps.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, just that direction alone can change an entire can change an entire gate for someone who has developed a shorter step length because they're afraid of falling or whatever it may be. You ask them to take a longer step, get your heel to hit the ground first, and it's like, wow! Just those two simple commands. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say two things. One, especially during the pandemic calling physician offices and not necessarily getting the right person on the phone. So for example, you know, most physician offices have someone at the front desk who's answering phones, or maybe it's a desk behind the scenes, who knows, but they might not even understand vestibular care because most people don't unless they're in the field or treating it or have experienced it. So calling and speaking to someone that's not providing care can be difficult to get them to take you seriously and, Mm. and to get them to recognize your value in their patients that come into their office. So I found that that can be a challenge. I want to speak to the nurse or the physician, or I want to make sure that I get my message across to the administrative staff that I can help you, you know, let yeah. me help you. Let me be the dumping ground that you send your patients with dizziness to. <laughs> um I-, I want to to show them how I can help them versus just tell them, you know, I guess what I do if they're if you can yeah. hear that distinction. I want to show them that I can help them or that their lives will be easier, their office life will be easier if they can just send patients to me.
1: How are you a resource to them? You wanna make sure that you are telling them, I'm not pulling referrals from you. I wanna help keep your schedule open for the patients that are more worth um, who need more of your time. Yeah. You know, if it comes to something as simple as dizziness, send them my way first. I'll do a comprehensive evaluation. We'll send them back to your office with all of my tests, you know, in a nice little note. And from there you'll have a better idea of what to do with them next. And right. even just getting on the phone, you know, talking to the right person is so important. And I, and I found that, especially in the time during the pandemic, everybody wants to get in touch with the physician, right? And the Uh, Front desk woman or the office manager or the schedule, they tend to be the bodyguards. They are the gatekeepers. They are the people who are protecting their physician from being bombarded by everybody (laughs) under the sun. So, a lot of time, if you spend time getting to know the office manager, getting to know the scheduler, or getting to know the person at the front desk and say, Listen, I really appreciate your time. I want to be a great resource to you guys. And if you have dizzy patients, You know, I can help you guys out. And how about you send me an email, uh, give me an email address where I could just send you some quick information. I'll show you the things that I do with my patients. And if you want more, you can let me know. I'll reach back out in a little bit to see if you need anything. But otherwise, you know, let's just open the lines of communication.
0: Right. And a lot of the times
1: that scheduler is the one that you want to really make a good impression on because that's the last person the patient is talking to before they walk out the door. The physician will say, oh, go do vestibular therapy. The patient goes, okay, they go to the front and they go, where do I go? And that person says, Oh, here's a list of people, but they're really good. And they right. kind of push your information. So you gotta, you gotta get a feel for the office dynamics and who to talk to. That's really important.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And side note here, like you said, they're the gatekeeper. You are basically in a sales job when you cold call offices, right? So you will get rude responses, you might get hung up on, you might get told they're not in till September 2021, just to get you off the phone. You know, you will get rude responses. And my brother, he's in sales, and I spoke to him about cold calling. And he basically told me, who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be another officer that you could call back tomorrow and get a completely different response. Who cares how they respond to you? As long as you're approaching, as long as you're taking your shot, you're shooting your shot as as the saying goes, but that really hit me because I I initially I would get kind of down on myself like, man, why didn't they want to hear me out? Or why didn't they think that what I do is so great with the way I think what I do is so great. But my brother said, you know, just who cares? Don't worry about it.
1: And And a lot of times, yeah, I like, I like that too. It's a good point. And a lot of times, like I just desperately want to get one patient. Because once I get one patient and they see what I can do for their one patient or what my note looks like for that one patient, everything that I test and treat, you almost can like count on getting them hooked. Um, You know, especially like sometimes I'll have a doctor's office call and they'll say, I have a dizzy patient, can you see them right now? The answer is always yes. I always find a way to get that dizzy patient in because if that doctor knows that they can rely on you, to get their patient to feel better immediately, or at least get seen immediately, you are at the top of their list. I mean, yep. we have one physician on the island now that as soon as somebody calls up and they say they're dizzy, they go, oh, we'll see Danielle first, go see Danielle, and I'll get your note. And then we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, there's something That's, that speaks to that. Right. That first patient is very much like your first impression as well. You yes. know, you do well with that first patient, and and you might not be able to get rid of all that patient's symptoms, but you educate, you build Mm -hmm. good rapport with that patient. They're going to go back to their physician and report that, you know? So yeah, that first patient is really important. And then the floodgates open from there. You're, you're absolutely correct. Um, You know, another, another sort of way to market. Sometimes there are Facebook support groups or Facebook groups in general talking about specific types of care, whether it's vestibular or other support groups or chat groups for whatever, you know, back pain, whatever. But in those, sometimes I like to keep up with the questions that people ask in all my free time and (laughs) offer resources or if I can generally speak on a topic, I'll do that. I won't give specific advice. Of course, I'm not treating a patient that way or a potential patient that way, but people do tend to really like to hear from a professional on those and you're not getting on there and saying, click my website, you know, sign up for an appointment. You're not saying that you're just exposing yourself. You're letting them know that you're here and you're educated in the topic that they're wanting to know more information about. That's another, you know little thing that you can do and free thing that you can do in terms of marketing and advertising.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that it's hard to stay away from now. I mean, especially when these social media platforms really cater to what your interests are and what you're looking at and what you're following. Also, you start seeing these groups pop up. Don't be afraid to pop your head in every once in a while. and But also protect yourself. If you're a clinician, be very careful to not give medical information um, or, or suggestion or advice without evaluating the patient. I mean, you and I have, have uh, shared a bunch of patients through social media um, with each other, you know, just showing how desperate some people can be and, and terrible they can be to just receive some sort of information or help. Um, you know, it's, it's a little heartbreaking to receive that, but the best thing that we can do is continue to point them in the direction where they can get help. Like I um, don't even, on our one, our one, um, canal three positioning maneuvers for home. I get, there's so many questions and comments through this video, but I hesitate to respond to anything anymore because you don't know the person. You don't know what they're right. doing. You don't know anything. It's, it's very, very hard. You don't
0: even know if they have BPPB. Nope. I mean, truthfully. Nope. 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 So you gotta be very
1: careful on social media, not to put too much out there to put yourself at risk for a liability issue. But right. to still put your, your name out there and say, hey, if you're asking about this condition, here's some more information, or here's, you know, what I might typically do with patients, you should get evaluated or you should go see so-and-so. You know, make sure that you're just nudging people in the right direction. Um, right. And that's just gonna get you a good following of people as
0: well. Right. And then, you know, another one I just thought of is at least in the vestibular world, and I'm sure in other specialty practices there are directories that list healthcare providers search for directories and see what you have to do to join those directories. So the Stibular Disorders Association has a directory right on the website for healthcare providers. Um, and people, people look to that they have a good following in terms of vestibular resources for especially people, you know, who were just diagnosed and don't know where to look. A lot of people land on vestibular.org, the Vestibular Disorders Association website. So joining those types of directories, I think, is really helpful. Yeah, and Wednesday it brings. That's not what brings most of the clients to Balancing Act, but here, here, and now and then, I should say now and then, I will have someone that says, "I found you on the directory. You're the closest mm-hmm. one," or, or there's no one in th- the state of Montana or wh- wherever, <laughs> and uh, they say, "Can you help me?" And then you have to kindly advise that you can't because you're not licensed in that state. But I think joining healthcare directories is a, is a nice way to start too, in terms of marketing Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe some are free too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've had a, I've had a handful of patients actually come in through my Vita directory post, um, or my profile actually one, um, just recently suffering horribly from BPBV, and she turns out she lived a mile from my clinic Oh wow. Um, yeah. So that was kind of perfect. I asked her like, how did you hear about me? Because she just randomly emailed me. She's like, through Vita. Um, but I have had I had, had a good handful of patients come in through Vita. Um, but it also kind of puts your, it puts a little stamp of approval. You know, keep in mind to be a part of Vita, you pay for a membership, but people aren't paying for a membership if they don't have some sort of a specialty background in vestibular therapy. Um, so being a part of Vita is great, not only for the directory part, but they're, we're trying to improve member benefits. So one of them being a new forum that we just launched, where if you have questions and you want answers about something in particular with a patient, we have just a pro member forum. By itself. So not only do you have your directory listing, but now you can post a question about a patient that might be a little bit tricky for other people, other pros, other pro members to be able to look and respond to. So things are improving along those ways as far as um, a membership to Vita is concerned as a clinician or as a professional. But just getting your name out there and on a vestibular website with all of your information is really going to kind of help put some credibility behind your program and what you're doing as well as just you know having your your knowledge at hand to to right. prove yourself,
0: and you know, uh, don't forget to network with your with your own peers, other physical therapists. Not everyone treats vestibular disorders, and vice versa. I don't. I if someone came to me with shoulder pain, I would say, you know, I'm really not the best therapist for you. Let me help you find someone. Or if someone had um, anything, really. Mm-hmm other than things pertaining to vestibular disorders, this is my mojo. So I'm going to refer to another colleague to better assist them and they'll do the same. I have met vestibular therapists in other States that I've never actually met in person, but they might get a call from a patient in Florida and, and they'll think of me, Oh, I just sent this patient your way and I'll do the same. I've had that happen Mm -hmm. quite a few times actually with a therapist in Ohio uh, for some reason, she's been getting Florida people. And for some reason, I've been getting Ohio people, <laughs> so we just exchange information, and it seems to work out pretty well. So you're not, you know, a, a, you're not in competition with other therapists, the, the end goal is to get the patient help. So I really like networking. And whether it's um, via social media, or whether it's at Conferences, if we ever have them in person again, like CSM, it's a great way to meet people, especially in other states that provide s- similar services or services that you can refer to. Especially with our specialty,
1: there are so few of us out there that very rarely are we really in competition with one another. Um, and especially if you know you want to have that networking of people in order to bounce ideas off of or ask questions um, you know, through and say, hey, I saw this today. Have you ever seen this? What have you done for this? You right. know, networking is huge, not just for getting more people in your door, but to also bolster your practice, bolster um, how you're treating patients and making sure you're up to date on the information because there's stuff that comes out so frequently that it's hard to keep up with, especially if you've got a family and you're working and you're doing other little side projects. It it really takes away from your ability to um, stay on top of all of that. So networking, stay on top uh, in touch with people, stay on top of things. It's huge. It's a big part of our profession,
0: yeah, yeah. And even just supporting other people's networks, you know you might not be communicating with them regularly, but if they see that you're liking their post or they're you're giving the, you know, the clapping hands to their post or whatever it may be that people pay attention to that stuff, especially if they're the ones running their account. Um, So I do like to interact with people who are specific to what I do. And that brings up another good point. Like you said earlier, you want to know your audience, but in a little bit of a different context, when you're marketing yourself, you want to know your audience, right? You want to use the hashtags that a future client might be searching, or you want to use words that a future client might be searching, so that they're they're drawn to your clinic or they find your services. Absolutely, uh, I think that this was a really
1: good interlude episode between our uh, many many awesome interviews. Um, if you guys have any questions about anything specific, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, if there's anything you want us to cover more in depth, let us know. We usually leave a link in the show notes where you can um, leave us a response or, or um, ask us for different topics to cover. So we've got some amazing, amazing people coming up here in the next couple of weeks. I hope you guys are excited because as as we are, because we just get this time to geek out and talk to these people, which is amazing.
0: I know. Um, I'm so and excited. You, and, and actually... One of our future guests is the woman that started it all for me in the vestibular world. So I'm really excited to Mm -hmm. record with her and get some insight and wisdom. She started probably one of the first vestibular practices in the United States and has grown it substantially. So that will be awesome to hear about, I think, both as a clinician and a patient. I'm excited. I saw her at CSM. I saw her at the
1: Emory course. She's probably one of my favorite people to talk to and listen to talk about vestibular therapy. So I have to say I'm really, really, really pumped for her to come on. Um, You guys just sit tight, keep following week to week, and we hope to talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. If you're interested in finding us on social media or the web, you can visit www.vestibular.today for more resources, including testing, treatment, and educational videos, blogs, continuing education classes, and resources including clinic equipment recommendations, suggested tests, and BPMBV treatment charts.
0: Search Vestibular Today and Balancing Act Rehab on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, be sure to check out Balancing Act Rehab at www.balancingactrehab.com, especially if you think you would benefit from vestibular therapy. We are your girls. The information on this podcast is not intended to replace the care provided by your qualified health professional or to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on Talk Dizzy to Me. Please contact us at Balancing Act Rehab if you think you could benefit from vestibular therapy.